It's the 24th of February, 2015, and this is episode 190. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only. What cryptocurrency enables is new, empowering, and exciting, but we're not experts. Just obsessed companions walking the road towards a more peer-to-peer future. Hi, and welcome to Let's Talk Bitcoin. This is Matthew Zipkin, and today on the show, we're joined by Dor Conforti. He's the CEO and founder of Scenario, a next-generation social network. Dor, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you? <laughs> great, thanks. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Scenario? Uh, I think you gave a pretty good intro. Scenario is a next-gen social network. It's completely decentralized and distributed, meaning it does not rely on any sort of central entity. It doesn't require any server to operate. Our communications are completely peer-to-peer. And on top of this technology, we're adding another layer of what we call an attention economy model, which is something that I guess we'll discuss during the show. The product you're working on right now, it's a desktop application, is that right? Yeah. First version is going to be a desktop application, but obviously we want to have clients on every device. Why don't we talk about the attention model? Because that seems to be kind of the motivation behind making this distributed network. So with regards to the attention model, attention economy model, first I'd like to say that it's economy not in the sense of the financial economy, but rather in the sense of a management of resources. So we're trying to create a system where a system that manages your attention, which is a scarce resource. In many ways it could be said, it could be argued that attention is the most scarce resource, the one that you have the least of and without any way of regenerating. So we're trying to create a model where the information that flows to you is the one that really reflects your values, reflects your goals as an agent in the system. It's not a secret that in today's world there's just an overload of information. Anywhere you turn, there's just too much stuff. And in that sense, helping you prioritize what you see and the options available to you is something that's really beneficial to anyone using the internet. So with the attention model, we're trying to solve what's often called the many-to-many problem. With the overload of information that's in every aspect of our online life right now, there's always a lot of information, and for each piece of this information, there are many possible actions you could take. And then when you decide what type of information you have to attend to and what type of action you want to take, of course, you also have to keep in mind the context And this requires a lot of attention. And when you're constantly being bombarded by notifications and messages and beeps from your phone and everything happening at once, it really helps to have the system actually know you, understand what you value, what you want to do, really follow the things that you attend and try to understand from your behavior what you value. So the system really eventually gets an estimation of your values and it tries to optimize the flow of information on the network for your benefit. And these preferences 
your own instance of the application learns these preferences about you and, and stores them locally or? Yeah, so everything has to happen locally, right? We're, gonna, we're on a completely peer-to-peer -peer network. So there's no data center with NLP mechanisms or some big data related application that saves everything you do and tries to analyze you and then, you know, has this uh, has this decision power about the information coming to you. It's all happening on the level of your node and it then determines what type of information you send out and to whom on the network and also then prioritize the information coming into your node from other parts of the network. So it's all done completely locally. And how does it know what kind of information you're interested in? For example, if I really like pictures of cats, but I don't like pictures of people's breakfast, you know, this is a social networking problem. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we haven't achieved that resolution yet, though eventually we're hoping to get smart enough to be able to differentiate between those sort of things. This level, at this point, it, it again, it really learns based on the actions that you take and the things that you attend on the network. And we have a model that's relatively simple to understand. I'll just give you a short notion. And of course, you can read the rest on the white paper we're going to release within the next two weeks. So let's say a friend of yours posts a message and it gets to you. I mean, I'm talking about an oral post, whether it's a cat or a picture of his breakfast. And then you have all sorts of options without to react to it. Like you can like, you can comment, you can share. You can also in this scenario network, you can amplify. Of course, there are some other more passive measures. And then based on what you do with it, how, how you interact with it, then at the minimum, we change the distance between you and that peer, that friend of yours on the network. Of course, the, the model distance, right? I mean, it's not, a, it's not part of the physical distance or the technology underlying it. Then, the next time he posts a message, if you're now closer to him on the network, then you'll have an easier time getting your attention. You'll have an easier time getting his message to you, and it will be more prioritized in the stream of information that you see on the network. The application measures your connections and sort of strengthens or weakens these connections depending on your behavior. Exactly. So there are many such parameters, and we also have a few what we what I would call meta parameters. So, for example, if you are friends with a person of the network and you share many friends, then their opinion of him as someone who's able to publish attention-worthy information also affects his ability to get his messages across to you. Right. So if his reputation is someone who's, you know, it's worth listening to is high, then even if you haven't engaged with him directly yet, he's going to have an easier time reaching your attention. So, so far, this sounds like the kind of algorithm that could be implemented into existing social networks like Facebook could easily uh, probably already does knows who I like and which posts I'm more interested in, whether it's cat pictures or breakfast pictures. So where does Scenario start to break away from the Facebook model? Let's talk about how these messages propagate around the network without having a central server. Yeah, so a few things about how this is different from Facebook. Of course, Facebook are doing uh, very similar things. The main difference, though, is, again, like I mentioned earlier, we, don't, we do not have a repository of all your past actions and behavior. This is not something that's even stored on your node itself. The network itself, the connection between nodes and the parameters of the, of the nodes change according to your behavior without any history in place. And this gives you a few benefits. First of all, you have absolute complete privacy. There's no paper trail. Even if someone looks into your node 
I mean, comes to your house, gets your password and looks into your node, it's not going to have the same level of access that any Facebook employee has, anyone with you know access to the Facebook databases. The second thing is that this model, and I'm going to talk about this later when we, when we chat about the technology, it's very extensible, it's very modular. So a person coming into the system and wanting to implement new type of interactions or new type of community government governance mechanisms, it's going to have an easy time tweaking all of these parameters and really creating new type of games, new types of interactions that you can play on the network. Let's start talking about the technology. So when I make a post, what happens to that information, whether it's a picture or just a status update? Where does that information go? To how many peers does it go to? And how do people who like me receive that post? First of all, I would say that the basis of the technology is a sort of smart DHT, distributed hash table. I think most people are familiar with that probably because they're using BitTorrent. Basically, it means that the information, the meta information about where information resides in the network is stored on the nodes in the network. And then the data itself is also stored in fragments in each and every node on the network. And then we have on top of it a mechanism that we call Special K, which is what our CSO Greg Meredith has been developing for the past four years, which implements and gives some benefits on top of this DHT mechanism. One of them is a mechanism that brings the information to where it's most requested. So it's a sort of sensitivity mechanism. And the other is just a, a normal redundancy mechanism, making sure that when you post something, like you post a picture or you post a video, anything you put in the network is saved in a way that even if you go offline or even if a part of the, the network that's holding a few of those fragments goes offline, there's still someone on the network able to serve you. So if I'm running scenario on my computer, do I need to allocate a gigabyte of storage Am I going to be storing encrypted fragments of everybody's cat photos? Yeah, so so that, that's a <laughs> that's a great question. So most people on the on the network, at least initially, are going to have to connect to gateways that either we set up or guys or people in the community set up to service users who don't want to commit to becoming part of the infrastructure of the network. Of course, if you have a mobile device, then often you would also connect to this centralized gateway. Of course, you also have a chance to connect to your home desktop or laptop or whatever, right? If you can, if you can spare the, the resources. So many people at first are going to rely on these centralized gateways, but it's going to function in a similar manner to how blockchain.info works right now, where they don't actually have your key, they don't have any access to your information. And with the key that you get sent upon registration, you can just boot up your node, just store all of the information about you, information that's relevant to you, like, like the, um, your profile information and the pictures that you've posted, and then host them locally and just boot up from there, basically just start functioning as if nothing happened. And you're always free to do that. But yeah, to, to answer your question directly, people who use Scenario eventually, we're going to want them to host a part of their profile and a part of their profiles and, and data of their peers of the network. And while that sounds perhaps a bit far-fetched, I want to remind you that pretty much everyone I know, and I assume you as well, because uh, you know we, we run with the technical crowds, we probably forgot about this, but I mean, I can say that on my hard drive, I have like 100 gigabyte of torrents that I finished downloading 
and I'm still uploading to the network like constantly. I have a constant upstream of a few tens of kilobytes just servicing the network. And at this point, I'm doing this without any compensation, right? I, I'm just, I just enjoy being a part of this information network of sharing what I've received. And in our model, we have something that's very similar to the concept that MateSafe are going to use, which allows us to compensate users for donating more of the resources to the network than they receive. Is there a reason why you're not integrating MadeSafe directly? It sounds like you're sort of developing the same system that MadeSafe is developing. We are, we have been in talks with them for the past six months, I guess. I mean, I'm a big fan of the project and uh, the guys there, I mean, I, I love them. <laughs> and uh, we are looking to implement at least some of their code. Currently, we're very excited about um, the RUDP solution that they're creating. And since right now we're focusing on other parts of our technology and the attention model, basically we're keeping a very close eye on the developments to see maybe we can just join forces on this or at least implement what they have going. I mean, imagine what happens if we do end up using their technology, then there's just a larger available population of users who can serve as servers of, of information, of this data that's hosted in a sort of a distributed cloud. And the user is, of course, completely agnostic to the information that's saved on his computer. So scenario users can host massive apps and massive users can host scenario information. It just means there's higher redundancy on the network and the people you eventually end up being served by are more likely to be closer to you. Okay, so the idea is eventually to be integrated with MadeSafe, and as your development progresses, the scenario nodes themselves on the desktop will participate in the distributed storage, and it sounds like when you launch, when you first launch, there will only be the blockchain info style. We definitely do not want to launch without having a proper node-based solution where users can connect peer-to-peer and not rely on anyone else. That's actually what we have now already functioning to a great degree, what we have to to actually implement all these uh, gateways. So let's talk about the encryption side, because in a social network, you sort of send information to, you know, 100 friends. So how are you encrypting the information so that only your friends can see it? I don't want to get into the specifics. Again, I invite our listeners to, to check out our white paper soon. But it's a very simple concept, right? In the same sense that you have your private key and public key on the Bitcoin network, where only the person who has the private key has access to the Bitcoin stored on the blockchain. Then just like this, you can send the keys, the specific keys to specific aspects of your identity or specific content that you release to a specific crowd, then you can have full control on who sees what. So you encrypt something, You, I guess you, you encrypt it with your public key, and then you sort of hand out your private key to the people you want to be able to access it. Yeah, that's, that's a simple version. I mean, wh- whenever you post something, and just like on idea, any other network right now, you can either choose to make it completely public, and then there's no need for encryption, or you can select from, you know, uh, your friends or friends of friends or specific people or, you know, exactly what you want to to do with it. So in a situation where you want to unfriend someone or block a person, uh, this happens a lot on social networks, do you you need to re-encrypt everything and exclude that person? Uh, 
Yes, that's that's definitely a, a technical def- difficulty, and uh, you've put your finger on one of the pain points of this model. But I don't want to elaborate on it. I'll just mention that our CTO Yuval is an expert in cryptography. He's been uh, in that field for much longer than Bitcoin has existed. Like he's a crypto fanatic. He's actually established the local chapter, the Tel Aviv chapter of the Crypto Party, <laughs> which are you know guys who are crypto fanatics, I guess. So this is really his forte, and he's cooking up a nice solution for this. Why don't we move on to the token now? You guys have integrated with the Omni protocol, which was formerly known as MasterCoin. They simply decided to rename themselves. There's not much more to it. Okay. And why did you decide to use the MasterCoin protocol for your project? Well, I should I should say that the only thing we're doing with the Omni protocol, the Omni layer is how they style themselves now, is to create the coin. We, we could have used any other technology but we chose to go with the Omni guys just because they're very eager to support open source projects and specifically completely distributed projects and they're helping us spread our message and they're going to help us um, run the crowd sale that we're going to have in about three weeks from now. So it's really about us having a connection with them and feeling very secure in their hands. I mean, I'm a personal friend of Ron Goss, the previous executive, and Craig Sellers, who's someone I value very highly, is also a part of our board of advisors right now. So for us, uh, there's there's no real tech consideration in that. It's more of just the, the partnership and friendship that we've uh, created with those guys. Okay, so how about you explain what is your token called and how is it integrated? Yeah, so, so our token is called the AMP, and that's from Amplify, which is a function that you have in the system. So we, we didn't get to discuss the, the attention model too much, but just briefly I would say that whenever you post something and it has different level of current, what we model as current, like electrical current, going out of you to the network, which is modeled after an electrical circuit, what happens is that the current, the power of it changes according to, well, the parameters we mentioned earlier and some other things I won't go into. And then basically whenever you post has um, an organic reach, like it's going to go to your friends and maybe if it receives a lot of attention, it's going to go to the friends of friends and then spread throughout the network depending on which, which part of it or which community found it interesting. And so if you want to extend this range, if you want to push it beyond your organic reach, then you can invest the, the token, you can amplify the message and then you increase the coin that way. This is in many ways equivalent to boosting a post on on Facebook. But unlike Facebook, everyone can do it. Every person on the network, whether it's his post or he sees a post that he likes, they can amplify and boost it this, this way. And unlike Facebook, since there's no central entity, there's no one who mediates this, there's no one who seeks to profit from this, then the people who see the message because it was amplified get compensated for their attention, right? Because basically what you do on the network as part of the attention model is you use this coin to reach more attention, reach more attention on the network, get more users. And these users get compensated because of that. So essentially, if, if you, whether you're advertising or you just want to like promote some blog post that you wrote or invite people to your event, if they see this message, then they are compensated directly. Most of these amps go to them. Do you have some method of like proof of observation or is there some way to prove to the network that 
you're seeing the post uh, you've looked at the you've looked at the picture and therefore have earned the token yes yeah so uh, as part of our technology we have a local consensus skipping mechanism by the way i haven't mentioned it but the technology our technology is called dendronet it's the name we've given it dendron being based on the the greek quote for tree and also, as, as you know, as, um, as a neuroscientist or someone with a neural background, dendrites are the ramifications of neurons, so basically the, the antennas for neurons. And since our attention model and generally our technology functions very much like these dendrites, then this is the name we've chosen for, for the technology. And that's very interesting because in the brain, the synaptic connections will increase or decrease depending on their use or the, their patterns. It sounds like that's very similar to what your network is doing also with the attention model. Exactly. Yeah. So our attention model is indeed very much influenced by the way that the brain works. So um, I have a rich neuroscience background. I have a master's degree. I have uh, actually spent most of my adult life in university doing neuroscience. And a lot of what I know about how information flows through the brain and how attention is given, really these insights found their way into the way that we've modeled the attention modeling scenario. So let's take a step back and talk about how you prove to the network that you've observed a post. And then at what point does the actual transaction happen with the Omni protocol to send the token to your address? Well, you know, don't forget that since you're compensated by amps by giving attention, then it's your motivation to show that you've seen the post, right? That you've given attention. There's no reason for you to hide the fact that you've given attention to something that you could be compensated for. So that's that's not something that we're worried about. I mean, if you, if you want to hide that you've seen a post, then, then that's fine. But there are other interesting things that a person could cheat about. Like, for example, the reputation mechanism we mentioned earlier, what we call Rio. That's something that the network, whenever, whenever it's needed, like, for example, if you, you post something that you want me to see, then my node, my dendrite, will calculate your Rio based on reports from the shared peers that we have in the network. And then the reports that they give me, give me assurances that you're not cheating. Because you could cheat and say, yeah, my reputation is higher and I can output more current towards you. But it's very simple to, to corroborate your, your story, the parameters that you're broadcasting your message with, with others on the network. And then find the value that we are in consensus about. Well, how easy would it be for somebody to set up a bot that convinces the network that every post it receives, a human being has observed and spent attention on when really you haven't? It's just a computer program saying, oh, I've seen this, I've seen this, I've seen this, give me the, give me the token. So, so that's, that's a wonderful question. It's one of the things that the model has to deal with. And generally, bots have very little place in our network because the way that we calculate Rio is, again, just based on the slice of the network that's shared between me and you. So if, for example, I set up like a thousand bots which are connected to me and every post I make, they, you know, they give me a high five for it, but they're not connected to anyone else. I mean, no one just wants to connect to these bots. They're meaningless. They're, they have no identity. They, they don't contribute to the network and no one would want to be their friends. Then the impact on my reputation doesn't penetrate to the rest of the network, right? It's relevant only for these bots. So the reward you get for your attention isn't necessarily rewarded directly to you just for observing something. It's more rewarded to you by your group of immediate friends that sort of verify. Oh, I, th I, think, I think I understand your question. You're asking what if I'm a normal user, 
but I run some bot, you know, just to farm the network, right? Just to go over the posts and receive the compensation. Exactly. Yeah, so we have a few parameters in the model to take care of that. So if you're someone who the network identifies is just a reader, just a passive reader, and eventually your, your attention is not going to worth much to anyone. Right? Because remember that we identify you based on, on your activity, your interests, on how you behave. And if you just scroll through and you like everything and you attend everything, then your attention doesn't have a lot of value compared to someone who um, places his attention in a more specific manner. So if you just scroll through the feed, eventually no one is going to want to amplify a message your way. So uh, you mentioned a Rio really briefly. Let's talk about that concept a little bit more. Well, Rio is a, is a specific score that's uh, computable every time you have an interaction on the network. It depends on the opinion of your immediate peers on the network or the, or the people who participate in the same community as you. Right? And it's basically a social consensus around your ability to create content that's worthy of attention. That's what it is. And it's one of the more important aspects of the attention model. First of all, if, you, if we just talk about reputation, it's really a, a part of the economy that maybe just recently has been getting attention as an aspect that allows us to collaborate and to interact outside of the normal financial economy. So reputation keeping mechanisms, when you give people a way to see the reputation of their peers on the network, it allows them to collaborate with them and to create transactions and interactions that are beneficial to all participants on the network. And this is something that, for example, well, on any network right now, you can't do that. I mean, there's a score that these networks keep about you, sort of a reputation mechanism that they have, but you have no access to it. You can't use it. Like you don't know what Rio, a friend on a network has. Or if you go into a community, you don't know what the structure is, what the topology of the network is, right? That's, that's equivalent to what Rio, the people have on it. So it's unusable to you. It's, it's a measurement that these networks just use for monetizing you. Right? They don't give you the option of dealing with directly and getting the benefit from it. This is one thing we're very excited about in Scenario, really giving people access to this information to allow themselves to organize better and create social mechanisms that work. Today's episode received support from CryptoKit.com, the easiest, fastest way to send Bitcoins right from your browser. That's K-R-Y-P-T-O-K-I-T.com if you'd like to learn more. Today's magic word is AMP. That's A-M-P. AMP. You've got until the 3rd of March to visit Let'sTalkBitcoin.com and the Let's Talk Bitcoin iOS app to enter it for your share of the listener rewards. One of the things that we're, we're really excited about with regards to Scenario is the fact that since the entire network isn't just geared towards monetization for a central entity, then the tools that we can provide users and the mechanisms that they can build themselves 
for organizing their communities and for interacting among themselves are just richer, like they have more options. And from that, their communities can do useful social work. They're not limited in what they can do. They're not bound to this endless track led by this central entity and always going without being able to escape this axiom of profit making. On a scenario peer-to-peer network, does each node have essentially a global ledger of the Rio score of all the accounts on the network? No, that's that's another thing that we we can relegate to the local consensus mechanism, to the information that's stored and is exchanged through your personal dendrite on the network. Because you don't care what the reputation is for someone whom you've never met, right? You only care about the Rio for people who are close to you on the network in the sense that there's a chance for you to see the content that they send out to the network. You only care about people in communities that you participate in. So what we've, what we've tried to do with Scenario is to really minimize the amount of information that we have to keep on, on global ledgers. And really currently, the only thing that's found on a global ledger is our token, the AMP token, on the OmniLayer, which is of course attached to, to Bitcoin itself, right, to the Bitcoin blockchain. It's the only global parameter that's being held. Okay, so everybody's Rio scored, that information is stored in a distributed way in the MadeSafe style format, the same way that everyone's cat photos and, and posts are distributed. So just when you need access to a certain user's Rio score, you can use the distributed hash table and find that information. It's not always stored on your personal node. Okay, so, so I guess I wasn't clear on that. So I guess I should, I should elaborate a bit. Rio is not a, a conserved quantity. It's not saved everywhere, anywhere. And it's dependent on the specific path from you and to the person you're broadcasting to on the network, right? It depends on the consensus of the dendrites of every user on the network about you too, what your Rio is and what his Rio is. And you only care about the specific view of the network where you two are together. So it's not a value that's saved everywhere, anywhere. It's something that the network can compute whenever it's needed. Okay, so it's not like when I make a new friend on Scenario, I don't immediately see their Rio score. It's something that has to be built up. Well, if, if you make a new friend on Scenario and you have no shared peers, then you're going to have a neutral value. Like you're going to start with 100 Rio points or something like that. But if the person you're connecting with has a few mutual friends with you, like you have two friends who are very attentive to what he posts, then his Rio is going to be higher, like 140 or something like that. And that's going to modulate the amount of current he can send your way when he posts, even though you've just become friends. So I think I understand this now. The Rio score is subjective. It's a database I store on my node of people I'm connected with, and I keep a Rio score for each of them. And they also do that for me. So you don't even have to keep it, right? You can compute it when it's necessary. And this is the design philosophy behind Scenario. We want to keep, we don't want to keep information unnecessarily. We want to shape the network based on your interactions. And we want to know how to let this information flow through the network based on a topology that's viewable by you. We have this network of dendrites, of nodes each having their dendrites, and then the information flows between them, right? With the, the dendrite serving as an antenna, that's also very mutable, right? In the sense that if someone 
constantly sends posts my way that I engage with, that I find interesting, that I attend, then my antennas, well, of course, metaphorically, going to go a bit closer to where his node is. Got it. I see. So the Rio score is the synaptic weighting between the connections goes up and down depending on how close you are, how interested you are to that person and their topic. Yeah, I just want to stress that the the complexity of the system and the attention model are not things that normal users are going to have to care about on the network, right? Eventually, if you go online, you just post and you comment and you share stuff with your friends and you go to communities, there's nothing that you're not familiar with. We're not going to encumber you with uh, all of these mechanisms like you have to keep in mind. Oh, this guy says this guy has this Rio and I can uh, send him this current and blah, blah, blah. No, you don't care about that, right? It's just stuff that's running in the background and making for a better experience for you as a user. Sure. And the AMP token you can use to sort of give yourself bonus points to give your Rio score. Yeah, bonus points. So you can sort of overcome a low connection and, and sort of force something through. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So as a user, do I ever need to purchase AMP? Well, you don't have to, right? You can uh, spend your entire career on Scenario without even knowing what that is. If you allow amplified messages to go to you, which is something that you can always control, then you're going to eventually hold a few of those, which you can either use on the network, as we discussed, or just, um, you know, cash them out. And another option that I, I want to mention that we're very excited about is the fact that these AMPs are also used to compensate people for their contributions. So if a friend of mine posts something that I like, he writes a new song or he makes a new post, then I can amplify his message. And by doing that, I do two main things. First is the one that we discussed. I help his message propagate to the network. Second is that I compensate him directly with these amps so that he's rewarded for his contribution to the network. So one of the the recent advisory board members that we have is a guy called Matt Black. And he's sort of a hero for me from when I I was very young. He's part of the duo making the group Cold Cut, and he's also the founder of the music label Ninja Tune. Are you familiar with them? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. They make really, really cool electronic music. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so Ninja Tune were really one of the early pioneers of using the net to distribute their music and to, you know, support artists, like giving them a stage to express themselves on without trying to be like this middleman who just, you know, capitalizes on your expression. And right now, he's, uh, he's become a part of World of Scenario. And we're thinking about how we can get artists and content creators on Scenario on a network where they're completely free to control the way that they distribute their music. And of course, we also have both the compensation mechanism in place and also the attention mechanism in place, the attention model, which uh, creates a sort of collaborative filtering method. That's the same thing that exists right now on, uh, well, on Amazon, when you go and buy stuff, you see recommendations, or on Pandora, when uh, you specify that you like something that, you know, you suggest other things. So on Scenario, we get the same type of mechanism based on the attention model, again, that's completely local, without any central entity having to know who you are or what you like. And this way, you can provide to the user an experience that, you know, learns from his preferences and also shows him the stuff that his friends like and that he may be more likely to enjoy and so on. But really, the main thing, the main reason we're excited about this is because 
I don't know if you're familiar with the situation right now on YouTube and Spotify and networks like that, but you know, despite the big promise of the internet allowing anyone to to make the music like in home studios, which have become very cheap right now, and distribute it to anyone and get a real unmediated and direct connection with your fans. I know the situation on YouTube and the like is very unsimilar. It's, uh, it's really completely against the spirit of the internet in this sense. They make you sign very uh, draconic agreements. Like you have to conform to their very specific demands. And of course, they act again as middlemen and they take large percentages of your earning, of your income as a content provider. And so now Matt and a few other musicians who have joined us so far, we're thinking about how one of the first applications we want to build on top of Scenario is a type of music application where there's no central entity, there's no one who takes a cut out of the compensation that you would get for your music, for your artistry. So you'd be able to sell something on Scenario or you would just earn credit by the attention you get? Well, it's it's both, right? One of the major changes in music, in the musical world right now is that labels selling much less, right? I mean, information is free. It's hard to sell information. So what they're after is attention. They want to create like a strong label. They want to allow users, they want to get users to identify with the musician, with the artist. They want to get more ambassadors for the information, for their art. And so our system really allows them to, to get this. Like it's innate in the system, in the attention model. And of course, there's also the, the compensation aspect and the fact that there's no one and I'm talking about uh, compensation in amps, of course, although you can you could issue, um, you know, a label token or whatever you like. I'm talking about a, a compensation that you could use to sustain yourself as an artist. That's something that's very missing in the current musical ecosystem. From a user experience point of view, when you're amping something, does it feel like you're spending money or does it feel more like you're just clicking a heart on Instagram, you know, or like an upvote on Reddit? Does it feel like that or does it feel like you have to enter your password and approve a transaction and... Well, you know, we want to make a um, user experience that's fun and, and that flows. It's very easy. So it's not um, it's not going to be like liking. We're going to have the mechanism that's equivalent to liking or upvoting. What what? Well, you you sort of stake your reputation on it, right? But it's free. You you say this is something that I enjoy. This is something that um, held my interest for a bit, and you can do that. And that's absolutely free to anyone. And then you can just. I click the amp button and uh, select a number and you know push amplify and uh, of course the security um, mechanism is going to be completely up to you you can insert your password just as you log in or you can ask it to ask you to reinsert it whenever there's uh, an amp related you know a financial transaction that's uh, not something that we're going to force a user to do so does the scenario application act as an spv node how does it actually interact with the bitcoin blockchain to send messages on the omni protocol so we, we don't have to send any messages on the omni protocol right messaging is completely completely handled by uh, Special K, by the layer I mentioned earlier. The only connection with the Omni layer and the Bitcoin blockchain is through the AMP token. And then each dendrite has his private key and it just deals with it like he would for any other token on a meta layer on the blockchain. But when you send AMP, it doesn't appear on the in the Omni layer on the Bitcoin blockchain? Oh, it does. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So that transaction has to be generated and signed by your own node, right? 
so each scenario node does have a cryptocurrency wallet, essentially. It has to talk to the blockchain, has to know what outputs you have access to. Is that interface operated on an SPV style? Or where do you, what, where, where do you get the Omni API, I guess? How does that integrate it? Well, we haven't really done anything of that so far. We haven't done this integration yet. So I can't tell you the specifics. But for, I, I can only tell you that we're going to make it as simple as possible for the user. Right? So if you download um, a node, then you're basically running a full node right, on the scenario network. But if you're using a centralized server, the, the gateways that we discussed, then it's going to handle that for you. But of course, through um, a key that you hold that's uh, encrypted with your password. Okay, I just want to make sure that I understand. So when, you, when you're running a scenario node, you're talking to the scenario P2P network, but you also need to be talking to the Bitcoin P2P network. There's no way to not do that. Yes, right. All right, so why don't we talk about the actual token um, and the crowd sale and how many units of the token are being generated and the fundamentals of the token and, and how it's going to be distributed like that? Well, some, some of this uh, information isn't finalized yet. I'm just going to say that we're going to hold some of the token so that we can compensate users who join the network. Like initially, when you migrate your information and your friends and your networks, we're going to reward you with amps that you can start immediately playing with. And we're also saving some to give to content creators to help users and artists and musicians who have the chance to create content people value on the network. We want to help them, you know, get into scenario and start spreading their messages. Aside from that, we're going to release all of the information about our council, I think, within the next two weeks or so when it's all finalized. Okay. Have you decided how many units of amps there's going to be? Well, we're thinking about like one billion, but it's not finalized. And of course, you know, the, the, the number of itself is meaningless. It's more the rate that we determine and how we distribute it then and so on. Uh, one other thing we're considering and that we haven't um, fully decided on yet is to create a sort of mining mechanism that relies on a sort of proof of social contribution. So one, one thing we're excited about, again, about Scenario is allowing content creators and people who really have a positive impact on the network to be compensated outside of the standard economy. Right? Because we're, we're holding crowd sale and we're getting people to exchange their dollars and their bitcoins into amps. Basically, just let the flow of value come in from the standard economy. And so we're also thinking about a way to compensate users to have them mine our amps through a sort of social contribution proof, probably relying on the real mechanism. So that if someone is a content creator, someone who's very valued in the network, but who hasn't really been receiving a lot of compensation for his work, never mind the reason, then the system will generate some of these amps for him. And again, we haven't really decided on the mechanism or the amounts. It's not going to be something that greatly interferes with the market. There's a very stable, very delicate balance that we have to keep between the existing amps and the ones that we create. It's probably going to be a few more percents every year. So it might be inflationary sort of generated by this mining algorithm. That's interesting. So uh, another thing I noticed just from going over your website really quick is that your company, your profit model, it seems like you're intending to make some money on the crowd sale to compensate the developers. And then after that, you're done and you're not going to be able to make any more money on the system. Is that accurate? 
So let, let me uh, elaborate on that. First of all, Scenario is going to operate completely not for profit. So we are not going to do anything on the network or, you know, push you to do any sort of interaction that can generate any profit for us. What we are doing is creating the culture where we get the funds that we need to create the network. And what we're doing is a new type of culture, just as far as I know, in the crypto world, that's closer to what a normal startup would do, which is that the amount of amps that we're going to release for the culture right now are going to be, well, it's not going to be the full amount that we have to sell. We're saving more of them for later crowdfunding rounds. We want to create something that people can play with, an application that's already working and get users on board, and then sell more of the amps so that we can continue funding the development of Scenario. And then eventually what we want to do once the network is built and the application is functioning and it's everything is working smoothly, then we're also planning on taking a minor cut of every transaction. And we're going to guarantee that this is a fee that's going to be as low as possible, just what allows us to continue maintaining and developing the network further. It's going to be about well between 1% and 3% of every transaction. So again, if someone amps a message, 97 to 99% of the amps invested are going to be given to the content creators and to the people who attend this message. And the rest, the small portion, is going to come to the scenario company so that they can continue developing the network. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then I guess you know, the question I ask all the open source project developers is how do you hedge the risk of just being forked and being cut out of your own equation? The technology that we're using, yeah, I mean, that, that's a good question. That's one that we've given a lot of thought to. And uh, I could say that I admit that even originally we thought about keeping some of our core logic closed source, at least initially. But we decided that this goes against the spirit of you know the type of networks that we're building. Personally, I think that a network is not a network and a technology is not completely distributed until the code is as well. And what we're hoping, and there's a solid basis for this hope, is that the technology that we're using is going to be very, very hard for new developers to come into and adopt very quickly. And we're hoping that by the time that others are able to first understand the, the really uniqueness of the technology that we're using, we haven't really discussed this today, and can get it running, then Scenario is going to have a strong foothold. And by that time, I think that most developers are going to find more sense in developing on top of Scenario and ex extending it and contributing to you know the one network instead of uh, just breaking you know, forking off and creating new fragments of networks that are never going to catch on. I mean, I, I think a lot of people who are interested in Scenario understand that this is a system that's necessary where we are right now. Like we have these incumbent huge entities that control everything that we do on the network. The ones that uh, Bruce Sterling likes to refer to as the stacks. Right? We have Google and Facebook and Amazon. They control so much of our information. They control what you see. They control 
the mood on the networks. They have so much control over your life, over your identity, over who may see the information you spread out. And you have literally zero privacy against them. So I think people understand right now that there needs to be a, a network-like scenario that's completely distributed where the users themselves own the network, own their nodes, own their information, and own their identity. That I'm hoping that they really do this with us. Right? and don't, don't try to create a competition or fragment the network in a way that leads to no one being able to really go off of Facebook and feel comfortable about it. And one other thing I noticed is that you guys are working on a, a migration assistant so people can download their entire Facebook history ideally and just convert it into scenario. That is a great, great idea. <laughs> that's that's going to help a lot with your adoption, I think. It'll be really easy just for users to get their friends involved. And so I think, I th yeah, that's clever. I have to say that's that's very astute of you. I'm not sure where you, <laughs> you're not, you, where you noticed that because we've been a bit, you know, we're keeping it on the down low. Oh, I've been decrypting all of your messages. No, just kidding. I'm pretty sure I saw that on your Bitcoin talk thread. I think yeah. we mentioned it though, but you 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 got it to the logical conclusion, right? Well, so I, I might as well talk about it. We want to help users just completely bootstrap themselves immediately on scenario with their existing information, with their networks, with their friends, so that they can just move and um, go forward with their social lives without really noticing that they're now not controlled by a giant who feels completely free to manipulate the information stream that they sense for its benefits from time to time. So you've got a, a white paper coming out pretty soon. You've got a crowd sale coming up pretty soon. Where are you in terms of the actual software development? Uh, along with the white paper, about 10 days from now, we're also going to release a video demo showing a very primitive UI and our technology working in complete peer-to-peer -peer manner. So in that sense, Scenario can already convey information that is completely unmediated by any central entity. Right? We, can have, we already have communication that's completely peer-to-peer. -peer. And we're going to show that in the model along with some stuff about the attention economy. And so this part already works. And we discussed a bit of what's missing. Part of it is the compensation mechanism for storage that I'm hoping we can rely on Matesay for and not have to develop ourselves. And the major thing is really the application. So right now we have to decide exactly how we want to start, what sort of social networking application we want to build, and how much attention we want to give to the music application that I discussed, and, uh, and then um, really build that, like build the full package and create something that users want to use without having to necessarily care about the cool infrastructure. I mean, let's face it, most people don't care about whether their application is distributed. They don't, they don't really care about their privacy. And for this network to work, we really have to reach the masses. We have to reach the large crowds, right? I mean, that those who, when faced with the Snowden revelations, decided to make jokes about them and create memes instead of being completely shocked by the, by the secrets revealed. I do. I'm not alone in this, right? You, you feel me? So, so we, we want to create, uh, you know, a kick-ass application, top-of-the-line UI, and that's, that's what we'll have to really sweat doing properly for the next year. And we are hoping to release some alpha version within the next few months. We want to just release it to close friends in our community. And then we want to have a basic application ready in about uh, six to nine months. But we really don't want to put it out there until it's 
fully polished until the UI is perfect. Well, I think that was a great overview. Is there anything else you want to add? Is there something we haven't included in the discussion so far? There's, there's one thing, one main thing I want to mention, and it's that the, the technology that we're using is very extensible. It's one of the benefits that we have over the, the existing networks. So that the special Kler I mentioned earlier, which connects to the, the DHT, provides a domain-specific language and an API that allows any application developer to just treat the information stored in the network as if it's a standard MongoDB, right, a Mongo database. It doesn't have to know anything about where it's actually saved. Right? The, the special Kler takes complete care of that. So if you're an application developer, you can use any of the data that's on the network and not have to be concerned at all about where it's actually stored. And uh, there's another layer of extensibility that we discussed with regards to the attention model. So you can have access to all of these parameters and you can also design new interaction types that have different tools in the interaction. And the last layer of extensibility is, well, on Scenario itself, we're going to give you the tools to create new types of interactions. So instead of, let's say, asking uh, a question, Right, someone or and, and giving people um, a few options, you could create a question and attach, let's say, a reward to the, the person who receives the most likes or upvotes for his answer. Right, that's something that you could do very simply. These, these types of interactions, these types of uh, mini applications that you can build on top of Scenario are going to be very unlimited. And on top of them, we also provide a smart contracting mechanism that's going to allow users to, you know, really invent new types of things that we haven't even considered ourselves. Right? We, we just want to provide the tools to users to have full access to the information and just design whatever interaction they want on the network. I mean, one, uh, one, one example I'm very excited about, it comes from a, a partner that we already have that wants to build a collaborative platform application on top of Scenario. And that's really possible because of the, the all of the mechanisms that you already have in place. I mean, consider that just sending someone a post and saying, if you attend this, I'm going to send you amps is a type of smart contact, right? It depends on actions on the network by two distinct entities without any coordination or without any entity making sure that this process takes place, that the money, that the amps actually exchange hands. And so we can build any type of scenario on top of this, right? We can say the information has to first flow to someone who gives you some service. And then when he provides his service, it can be checked by uh, previously agreed upon peers on the network based on specific parameters like the reputation that they have or how far away from us they are, or they, they must not be people who are friends of ours. And then only when that's done, then the service provider may get his compensation and the person who issued the smart contract, like he, let's say he wanted to create, um, you know, a logo for his company and he wanted the services of a graphics designer. Only then at the end, at the end of the smart contract and the end of the review process is going to get the product and have the amps sent to the service provider. Great. Yeah. So it's extensible. I really just think you've got a great project and with a great mission and I, I really wish you the best of luck. So how do people, where should people go to follow the crowd sale and to find the white paper when that comes out? What's the best place to get the announcements? So on uh, scenario.com, we have, um, you know, the basic um, drop us a line and get mails whenever we want to update you on exciting stuff that's happening. And we're going to notify you when the details about the um, crowdfunding route 
crowdfunding campaign and of course when we launched the white paper and the video and uh, any other interesting thing that we want to share with you and from there you also find links to our blog and to our new discourse forum at discuss.scenario.com you can go into the we're also iterating on it we're going to launch a new learn more section soon we're, uh, we're going to publish all of the information about our technology and the attention model you can really delve into it you have links to specific portions of the white paper so you don't get lost in it. It's about 55 pages at this point. It's not, not easily digestible. One other thing that we're doing right now is holding a weekly community hangout. This takes place on Wednesday at uh, 9 p.m. GMT. I think that's 12 a.m. PST. And this week we're going to host uh, Matt Black, which I mentioned earlier, the musician, the guy from uh, Ninja Tune. We're going to also have as our guests a few other musicians who are hoping to use Scenario as the platform to express themselves on, to release the uh, content. And we're going to discuss how Scenario is a solution to the issues that musicians are currently facing in the environment where information is free and not being treated well by the incumbents. So uh, I'm hoping everyone joins us. We're going to probably publish it uh, you know, on our discourse and in the blog. And just stay tuned on Scenario.com and you'll find this information. Great. Scenario.com. And we've been speaking with Dorkin Forti, the CEO and founder. Thanks so much. Thanks, Matthew. I've had a good time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Bitcoin. This episode received support from CryptoKit.com, the fastest and easiest way to send Bitcoins right from your Chrome browser. And FoldingCoin.net, where you can use your spare CPU cycles to mine medicine, not hashes. Content for today's show is provided by Dor and Matthew. Music for today's show is provided by Jared Rubens with the LTB theme song and Bert Hornix with his remix of the song C by Niles Fromm. This episode was edited by Matthew Zipkin. If you have any questions or comments, head over to letstalkbitcoin.com. I'm on vacation until the beginning of March, so emails to adam at letstalkbitcoin.com may go unanswered until then. We'll see you next time.